I'm Harry Bridge. I'm Scott Mitchell. And this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. We are coming to you from the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for June 30th, 2018. And today we're talking about religious experience and faith. So uh, we're going to talk about another question we got or sort of talk around another question we got. <laughs> uh, somebody asked us about our own personal experiences as uh, Jodo Shinshu Buddhists um, and specifically the question of faith and how that might inform our lives. Um, so we're going to talk about faith and religious experiences, but we're not going to talk about our own experiences. <laughs> Because so we say now. That's just how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for good reason, not just because we're contrarian, cranky old men. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I guess the first place to start is just to sort of uh, unpack that that word faith. Yeah, it's yeah. a um, it's a word. Yep, I think. Um, I think probably I'm going to go out on a limb and say like, you know, I just said the word faith in a Buddhist podcast and like half of our listeners were like, there's no faith in Buddhism. And the other half are like, well, what do you mean by faith? (laughs) Um, So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to address the, the, that half and say, this is what we mean by faith or what faith might mean. Um, And then we can discuss whether or not to the other half of our listeners, if that actually is a place in Buddhism, how's that? Ooh, this is a good way to start this episode. (laughs) So, uh, I think faith has a lot of different meanings, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that word and, you know, s- setting aside some of the Christian stuff, the first place I go to is matters of belief. Mm-hmm. Um, so you say some things and then we'll have a conversation. Well, definitely it's a <laughs> word that people use, I think, often thinking they know what they mean, mm-hmm. but they actually have a limited view of what faith could be, mm-hmm. right? And we have mm-hmm. to be really careful not yeah, yeah, to attach yeah. to our own. I think a lot of people use it in a negative, pejorative sense, and they actually mean blind faith. Right. They mean an um, absolute, unswerving um, adherence to some idea or deity or person, right, um, without seeing the way things really are. <laughs> yeah. Right? There's kind of a negative um, yeah. approach to that, uh, a negative um, idea of that. And that's, I think, when I hear especially maybe Buddhist people or atheist people um, attacking, quote-unquote, religion, <laughs> right? When what do they mean by that? Um, often they mean Christianity, but what do they mean by that, right? It's like all these things that we just— and maybe it's a very Buddhist way to, to see it, that um, we have to be careful to realize that what I'm talking— I don't know what I'm talking about, actually. <laughs> or that my view, my opinions and my views and my understandings are limited, and so I need to be careful. I can't just make grand statements as I'm making now, um, right? That it's really kind of a hard game to play. But yeah, um, yeah that's my, the, way, the kind of faith that I see people referring to a lot, I think, is um, blind faith. Yeah, and a, maybe a subset of that or a related issue is the idea of believing in something, faith meaning that you have a belief in something even in, or even especially in the absence of any evidence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm which a lot of like new atheists would say is a big problem with, with religion again, mm-hmm. quote unquote, um, because people believe in God and there's no proof of God. There's no evidence of any, you know, whatever. Um, so I think I, this is actually a good, a good way to sort of segue into some, some Buddhist responses to that as I feel that, that there's clearly um, a discourse in modern or contemporary Buddhism of saying that Buddhism isn't like other religions or even a religion at all because it doesn't require faith 
and everything that is in Buddhism can be proved if you just do it, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. if you do the practice, as it says in these texts, then you will have these experiences that the Buddha had, or that the Bodhisattvas have, or that whatever, the sages, the patriarchs, whatever you want to say. Um, and therefore, it's true, um, and it has nothing to do with faith, mm-hmm. nothing to do with, you know, believing in something in the absence of, of evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the reason why I think it's problematic is because to me that still implies or hinges on the idea of faith. Like if, if you if you come up to me and say all you have to do is what it says in this book and then you'll be happy or mm-hmm. you'll attain enlightenment or whatever, I still have to have faith that what you're saying is true. Mm-hmm. I don't know until I've done it whether or not it's true. Mm-hmm. There's still an element of, of fa- in, a, in a weak sense, there's mm-hmm. still an element of, of believing in something before you do it. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have some, some sense of like, oh, I hope this works. Maybe, you know, hope or something, mm-hmm. right? There's, there has to be something in there mm-hmm. prior to actually doing it um, because it's not self-evident, mm-hmm. right? It, it really, you know, even, even in a sort of like wholly secularized version of Buddhism where they're not talking about enlightenment or overcoming karma or destroying samsara or whatever else. And they're just saying like Buddhism, you do the meditation and you'll be a healthier, happier person. Even that is not self-evident. Um, just because you've had this experience meditating doesn't mean I'm going to have that experience meditating. You know, mm-hmm. um, there still has to be a sort of element of, of, of trust that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this thing that you're saying will actually work. So that's actually how faith is sometimes presented in the Buddhist way. That you kind of have to, when you first hear about Buddhism, you have to be like, I'm going to trust this person, Shakyamuni, yeah. right? That maybe what he was saying has, has value or validity, mm-hmm. right? And that you need that first buy-in. Yeah. Right. Without the buy-in, you're not going to go into right. it. Right. And that that's the role of faith in Buddhism. Yeah. Um, is one way that it can be presented. Right. And contrasted with this, the idea that Buddha says, "Don't believe this because I'm telling you. Believe it because you tried it and it worked." Mm-hmm. Is I think another problematization of this whole kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Right. And so. I, you know, the question had to do with our own personal experiences, and one of the, and and I'll say at the outset that in terms of faith, even whether we're talking about faith in that hard, blind faith kind of sense, or in the the problematic way that people will say that faith is the belief in um, things without any evidence, um, or even in the sense of like you got to have buy-in before you start doing the Buddhist practice, personally, I consider myself rather agnostic. Hmm. Like I don't have a lot of strong beliefs about Buddhism um, or religious truth claims, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's all true, maybe it isn't. Like that's just sort of my general, maybe it's because I'm a cynical person, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that there's also some value in having some... Uh, like a like a suspension of belief, right, or disbelief, like just sort of like being open to different things possibly being true, and not spending a lot of time in the weeds of debating whether or not I have to believe in something. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Like, so you know, I don't know if if that, that helps at all. But you just wrote something down. It's probably really important, so you should <laughs> say something. Well. <laughs> Just also in Buddhism, generally, faith isn't necessarily the crux of the matter. 
Right. Yeah. As opposed to Christianity, mm. right? Where it, and and again, I'm one of those people that knows nothing about Christian rhetoric about faith, <laughs> right? And I think it's huge and vast, and you know, um, but um, that's Buddhism kind of interesting in that it's it's that's one area where it could be different, and yet. <laughs> In Jodo Shinshu, the crux of the matter is Shinjin, mm-hmm. and that um, Shinjin, I think, early on, in, or you know, earlier in the 20th century, and um, Shinjin was translated as faith, right? And that that was one of the issues in um, translation of the past hundred years of, of Jodo Shinshu and texts and everything. And um, faith was used maybe unproblematically earlier on. People reacted negatively to that because they associate it with either Christianity or blind faith um, or a combination of both. Um, and so 90s, maybe, there was kind of a move to let's leave. It's Shinjin is too... It, 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 faith doesn't capture it. Mm-hmm. Faith brings up too many other things, so we should leave it untranslated. <laughs> right? It's too... It can't be captured in a single word, so so we're going to yeah call it... We're going to write Shinjin, S-H-I-N-J-I-N. We're going to transliterate it, not translate it. Um, and then 10, 20 years later, there's a swing of the pendulum back. No, I think we do need to say something more because if you just say Shinjin, it's just gibberish if you don't know what the letters mean, right? So we'll call it the entrusting mind, right? And so um, entrusting or the entrusting much, much mind right? <laughs> um, was used in like the, the um, Shin Buddhism translation series in the 2000s, maybe, um, really reacting to the 90s. So it's kind of interesting that um, this... but. Well, this is this is the fundamental problem with translating these terms. Is that like, you know, uh, unproblematically we use the word karma and nirvana, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In in contemporary English, as if we know what those words mean. But do we? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 not just you know nirvana the band, but you know, I mean, the way in which we just sort of say nirvana, and some people have certain associations with that term that have nothing to do with what. Um, any particular Buddhist tradition might have meant by that term, right? Mm-hmm. Or the larger sociological issues that are involved. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, um, this is the problem. Like, yeah. do you translate Shinjin or not? Right. Is faith better than um, entrusting mind or is entrusting mind better than faith? Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, it, mm-hmm. it makes more sense just to actually talk about what Shinjin is supposed to mean and mm-hmm. try to figure it out. And then, you know. Right. Then, but that's another problem. Yeah. Can you talk about it? And I just remember going when I was a student 20 Damn years you, ago. Harry Bridge. <laughs> when I was a student 20 years ago and went to a conference, it was Dharma School Teachers Conference, and um, this minister, Japanese-American minister who had moved to Japan and been living there for like 20 years, and he was the guest speaker, and it was about Renyo because it was like a Renyo anniversary, and so he gives this talk um, talking about Shinjin and everything, and at the end of the talk, any questions? And someone says, you know, you kept saying this word, Began with an S, Shin, something. What is that? And he was just like flabbergasted. <laughs> like, what do you mean? And it's like we don't talk about it over here mm-hmm. um, in the U.S., make mainland U.S. or whatever. Right? That um, it was really interesting. He was just shocked because I think it's an important issue in maybe Japan and um, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it also has it's part of the language, yeah. right? And it's kind of like faith in English. Right where you can say Shinjin in Japan, I think, and um, still you don't know what you mean necessarily. It could mean different things, right? But um, but then I've also heard members say, um, 
if you knew you had it, if, if you had Shinjin, you wouldn't even know you had it, so you don't have to talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? Or if you say you have Shinjin, that means you don't. Sure. Right? And so, <laughs> right, like all these kind of issues around the term and that it's extremely complex. Right. And but it kind of becomes a taboo term, I think, too, has, you know, that it's difficult to talk about, maybe even problematic to talk about. You have to、yeah. be very careful. And yet it's the core of Jodo Shinshu.、Uh-huh. It's a sad thing. I、yeah. mean, then we're talking about Renyo. Shin,、um, shonin Ichiru no、um, Omomuki wa Shinjin omote honto serare soro. Shinjin is honto serare. You have to take it as fundamental. Shinjin is fundamental to our tradition,、yeah. and yet we can't talk about it. <laughs> well, I think we can talk about yeah. it. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Shinran out, never said you can't talk yeah, about it. Renyo never said. A, 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 a hypothesis or a theory, and I, I'm willing to be wrong, so I'm not gonna stake my reputation on this or anything. <laughs> But I feel as though what you just said about you know, people saying, oh, you can't talk about Shinjin, or if you say you have Shinjin, you don't, or you know, all that kind of stuff, I think that. that In that sense, Shinjin is playing a sort of social role、mm-hmm. within a community where people are, are on some level kind of policing each other's behavior.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is true in most communities, religious or otherwise, where it's part of a larger discourse of like, A real ex would do this, right?、Mm-hmm. Like,、mm-hmm. if you're a, a true fan of this band, you're gonna, you know, hate that album or love this album, or, you know what I mean? Like, that, that sort of like that way in which social groups will be like sort of making sure that members of the group are behaving in an appropriate way.、Mm-hmm. And Shinjin gets get caught up in that. And then as a consequence, unfortunately, nobody talks about it, which is unfortunate、mm-hmm. because it's really fundamental. So、mm-hmm. I think if we, Move away from whether or not I have Shinjin, which is totally irrelevant,、mm-hmm. and just try to figure out what Shinjin is supposed to be. Then、mm-hmm. we could just talk about Shinjin、mm-hmm. and not have to worry about whether or not you know, I have Shinjin or you have Shinjin or the ministry has Shinjin or you know, whatever.、Um, and just you know, what, what is Shinjin, Shinran saying about this term and why does Renryo think it's fundamental to the tradition? So, what is Shinjin? I mean,、yeah. I mean, just literally, like, entrusting mind. Like, that's. That's one way to put it, right? This mind, the, the, the mind of the person that.、Um, the proper state of mind,、mm-hmm. right? That's, that's kind of necessary for birth in the pure land. Without Shinjin, you may not be born in the true fulfilled land. You may get a lower level land or you may continue to try and transmigrate.、Um, it's connected to the three minds of the larger sutra. Um, sincere mind, entrusting mind, and mind aspiring for birth. right? And so, this is a huge doctrinal topic. And there's actually also three minds, a different set of three minds in the Contemplation Sutra. So, that's confusing too. right? There's these two different kinds of three minds.、Um, and there's also the single mind, Ishin, that comes from the Jodoron that I mentioned, I think, last episode.、Um, that, of, um, that, okay, Shinjin is the three minds. That you don't have to sit here trying. And then it's like, is it a kind of mind that I need to generate? Do I need to generate sincere mind? I need to generate the entrusting mind. I need to, I gotta have this, this、um, aspiration for birth. And if I don't have it, I don't have it yet. And I have to keep working hard at getting it, right? Might be viewed as a kind of a self power way of going about it.、Um, and Shinran in the Tani Show, Yui En and Shinran talk about 
I don't feel any joy. I don't feel any aspiration. Mm-hmm. Yuyan asked Shinran, and he's like, is there something wrong with me? And Shinran's like, no, me too. <laughs> really interesting that, yeah, I don't have sincere mind. Mm-hmm. I'm always um, arrogant. And, you know, so that Shinran's deep, deep introspection and, you know, seeing when he's not got this. Um, but then realizing, and yet, Buddha's compassion grasps me like this. Right? So um, that, that, that there's a real tension, I think, between... Um, single mind of, of interesting right and would that be all you saw could you not would you be able to function right <laughs> if that's all you had you just had this single mind and that's or in the midst of all this three poisons and being in samsara can we still have this quote unquote have this shinjin mm-hmm. and is it my mind or is it buddha's mind um yeah, so who has the shinjin well, does anybody have the shinjin? I mean, you know, not mm-hmm. you know, like not in the no self. No, 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 no. But, just right, in the okay, sense okay. of like, is it is it is it something that you have? Is it something mm-hmm, that you mm-hmm. possess, or is it both in the, like the literal like I possess a physical object, or also I have a I have a particular quality mm-hmm, of personality or something? But also, you know, or is it something else, mm-hmm. right? Or something I participate in, mm-hmm. or. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there's all those questions. Yeah. And this is interesting because... But it also, I mean, it also seems like, like, I think maybe rhetorically people will make the argument that there's that that struggle that Shinran is having is indicative of uh, understanding of Shinjin or something like that, right? Like that mm-hmm. that's part of what you're supposed to be doing. Like mm-hmm. maybe, which is informing that sense of, well, if you had Shinjin, you wouldn't talk about it. Because mm-hmm. to me, that that that, that implies... That if you talked about Shinjin, you'd be this, you know, like if you said I had Shinjin, you'd be this horribly arrogant person, mm-hmm. which suggests that arrogant people don't have Shinjin, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's a certain sort of moral. Um, right. But trying not to be arrogant isn't the way either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really complex. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say, I think it's kind of interesting because there's also something called bodhicitta, yeah. the mind aspiring for awakening. And, um, not so much in a Shinshu context, but I was just kind of astounded to learn that um, of bodhicitta rituals and part of the ordination process maybe for, you know, like Shingon or something. And it's like, I think often in East Asian Buddhism, maybe Buddhism in general, ritual is an important part of this. And that it's not some individual thinking kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's you being in the world and being in community and participating in ritual and that this ritual generation of bodhicitta Mm -hmm. as opposed to do I really because how can you say I can't tell if you have it or not I can't tell if someone else has it or not but that there are these ritual ways to generate it Mm -hmm. right and that um so so that's it's kind of interesting like this other level I think a lot of times we just get caught in this kind of um psychological kind of model of you know individualistic psychological kind of thing um, where that may not be everything that's happening. And just being in the community and participating is part of the path. Yeah, like when you said that you know people get certified to have Shenzhen, that doesn't actually surprise me, or mm-hmm. I don't think that's that, that, that's that weird, mm-hmm. right? Because I think from, from a perspective, particularly a sort of modern Western perspective, we think of faith as this individual thing, or that I have faith, or that... I am doing my thing on my path or whatever, and I'm having mm-hmm. this mystical, transcendent religious experience, et cetera. 
But, you know, at the same time, a lot of what happens in Buddhism is ritual and in community, and you do get certified. You know, in the Zen tradition, people get certified as dharma, as having Dharma transmission. <laughs> There's a very specific set of rituals whereby Dharma transmission is given from a teacher to a disciple, and symbolically, or whatever you want to call it, that is supposed to be the exact same transmission that the Buddha gave to his disciple, and it's been passed down generation to generation to the present, right? So you're experiencing the same thing that the Buddha himself experienced, right? Mm -hmm. Like in that that ritual context. <laughs> but you can't just walk around saying, oh, I have Dharma transmission without actually having that ritual happen, <laughs> right? So <laughs> otherwise you're, you know, you're a fraud, right? Um, so there's a certain aspect of that communal ritual certification of an experience, which I think is an important part in most forms of Buddhism, actually. Right. You know, you don't just call yourself a monk. You go before the assembly of monks and get initiated into mm -hmm. that, that community. It's mm -hmm. not just... Mm -hmm something that you just declare. Um, so in that context, to say that there's a, a Buddhist, a Shin Buddhist tradition where they certify Shinjin is like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's right or wrong or, you know, whatever. Um, but it doesn't s seem particularly out of step with the rest of the tradition. You know, Bodhicitta rituals, sure. Like that's where you publicly declare that you have an aspiration for enlightenment. I could sit in my room by myself and say, I'm gonna get enlightened you know so what like that doesn't have any consequence like that's that's the other part about ritual right like if i as an individual say i have bodhicitta i'm going to work toward enlightenment but i don't tell anybody then nobody's going to hold me to that mm -hmm. i have zero accountability like that's one of the powers of ritual right mm -hmm. is that if you go into that space and say i have bodhicitta or i i i'm you know developing this this aspiration for enlightenment and you tell a room full of other people that you're going to do that they're going to hold you to it right mm -hmm. they're going to make sure that you're on the straight and narrow and that you're doing the practices and that you're mm -hmm. you know you're working toward it mm -hmm. um otherwise it becomes meaningless right mm -hmm. so i don't know what the, any of that has to do with with shinjin <laughs> right, right 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 and, and i think shinra is interesting it seems like in the early communities that there was that kind of idea of that it could be certain statuses could be granted and if you did something donated money or whatever that you get your name on the roster and then you'll be born in the pure land right and that so it's kind of interesting i think that shinji actually has built in some kind of safeguards against that kind of thing mm -hmm. and that it does it is shinran so it, i think shinran's fascinating to me he bucks a lot of trends right and he is kind of really individualistic and he yeah. is it is really an internal thing for him right so 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 that's kind of interesting i think i'm a part of the nah, nah forget that idea <laughs> Another thing that I wrote down was, and that uh, again points to the importance of community, is that I think that it's really important to be around people that got it. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily mean Shinjin, but people that they're not saying, hey, look at me, I'm level three, whatever, you know, but they're just there. And you realize, whoa, that guy was pretty special. Or that yeah. person was, wow. And maybe it doesn't happen until later, right? But, um, that that's another really important part of community. So that's, I wrote down Myokoni, like this is kind of tradition of these amazing people that um, aren't necessarily ministers or aren't necessarily um, literate good people or whatever, you know, um, and yet they express uh, this deep coursing and, and trusting or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. um, and maybe not, you don't have to be around people that high level necessarily, but um, 
that's where community becomes really important. Um, and to, to, to be with other people and see yourself in the context of other people. Yeah. If you're alone all the time, you can't see yourself anyway, but then your perception is really skewed yeah. if you're just alone. Um, but it's hard to be among people. <laughs> I just think of the, the hikikomori. Have we talked about them? No. The people that in Japan that shut themselves out, uh-huh. shut themselves away. Um, it's just really incredible. It's, it's taking place all over the world, apparently. There's like millions of people like this, but they just shut themselves in their room and never go out. Um, and it requires parents. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's really, but there's been shows more recently like on Vice Channel or, you know, of um, about this phenomenon in Japan. And um, they just, something happens. They're traumatized by something and they just can't be among people anymore. And um, so the show shows some people that are talking to the camera, but there's one, they only talk to the mom and they show her shoving the door. There's like a little door under the, as part of the door. And she shoves the meals under and brings them back out. She never sees him. He's like totally isolated. Um, in his room. Um, and so that's one way to be, but it's not a good way to be, I don't think. It's, you know, some people maybe are doing it because that's what they feel like they have to do and they can't do anything else. But um, so maybe I'm, where did, you're, where? you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> um, but maybe that's part of my experience is I used to be much more of a loner uh-huh. um, and um, withdrawn and introverted, sure. right? And, um, part of my experience has been breaking out of that. And part of that process has been being around people Mm -hmm. and moving out to Berkeley on my own and going to Institute of Buddhist Studies and beginning to take part in temple kind of activities and um, working at a bookstore or whatever and that kind of thing. And um, so so I think that that's really important. Going beyond your comfort zone, maybe if you're, if you're, have a tendency towards that sure. um, and um, that that was really important for me yeah. um, and I was fortunate to be around people that maybe did have Shinjin like Reverend Kasada this one Haruyoshi Kasada yeah. one of my teachers and I've talked about him before but you know, he would never say it himself he would never say I have Shinjin be like me mm-hmm. I, I, he would probably say don't be like me <laughs> um, you know, and, and that was part of it too though was seeing him get angry and seeing him get frustrated and realizing that Shinjin is not some perfected saint like state Shinjin is being truly human, mm-hmm. like really being yourself, not pretending to be something else or, or that it's some way that only certain people can be this elevated kind of status. Um, that's not what it is at all. Um, it's being a real person, like really being yourself and um, making mistakes and not being perfect, right? That this is the Buddhism for the uncapable, right? <laughs> Buddhism for the unperfect, <laughs> imperfect. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yet... The fruition of it, too, in this life, I think, isn't perfection. It's really being yourself, and yet with a transformation, I would think. Um, and and so, so Shinjin's interesting. That it's t- contrasted sometimes with doubt, um, expressed as like the, the, the pliant and gentle mind. Um, there, there are clues to what that state might be like. But at the same time, I, I, I disagree when people say, oh, the person of Shinjin would be humble. Mm-hmm. And they would be this way or that way. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I don't think so necessarily. I don't think it's that kind of... Shinjin has these boundaries of these certain characteristics of what a person would be like. Yeah. Each person, we each have our own karma. We each have our own experiences and issues. And um, and so I think each 
it would be different for each person. And, so yeah. fundamentally, though, what you're saying is that you have Shenzhen. Yep, and I'm ready to convert it for <laughs> X number of dollars. No. <laughs> that was messed up, sorry. <laughs> the other thing that I... Uh, part, to me, part of the path is realizing when you don't have it. Sure. So in that sense, I think it is important to know what it is so that if you catch yourself thinking, yeah, I've kind of made it, that's... That's when the warning bell should be going off. And wait a second, there goes my ego again. That's my ego. That's part of the path. Yeah. Our path isn't to, I am going to try to erase my ego and be humble and kind to everybody and try and be like a different kind of person. You just it's, like a robot. Yeah, just be yourself, but be aware too. Yeah. Be willing to um, self-reflect and um, to realize, oh, yeah, this, this isn't it. And yet, that's part of the path. That's part of the realization. Um, the awareness of those times. Mm -hmm.